Thank you, men. Take your Bible. Let's go this morning to the book of Colossians in the very first chapter. We'll begin in verse number nine. We've been uh, looking at the prayers of Paul the last couple of day, weeks in uh, praying for the church, part one, part two, and today part three as we come to the church at Colossae. And he is praying about the will of God. We've been preaching about prayer leading up to two weeks from today, which is July 4th. We'll gather here on 4th of July morning in both the 9.30 and 11 o'clock service just like this, and we will pray, preach, pray, 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 and then we'll take the Lord's Supper uh, together, unifying our family uh, on that uh, Independence Day, a great day to pray for revival, for awakening, uh, and for a spiritual breakthrough in our own lives. So you join us on that Sunday morning, and we've been preparing for that as we've been preaching about prayer. And we come today to look at uh, Paul's prayer for the church about knowing and doing the will of the Father. As we read the text, I'm going to ask all of you that are fathers in this uh, room today, if you would stand with the pastor and uh, we'll uh, read the Word of God. We give uh, honor to you today. Thank you for you men and pray uh, God's blessing uh, to be on you this Sunday and for every day that you lead out in your family and have great influence uh, in the lives of those around you, children and others. Hear the word of the Lord as Paul's prayer is found in Colossians 1 and verse number 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask, and here is his prayer, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Father, I pray now, not only for these men standing, but for everyone else in this room, teach us today about your will and give us power, grit, and strength to do your will. Lord, for the lost in this room, save them. For the discouraged, build them up. For the proud, break us. And draw us all under your feet, I pray. Use these lips to speak a word of eternal truth to our souls this day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, gentlemen. You may be seated. Paul's prayer for the church is really twofold in this text. It's simple. Know the will of God. Do the will of God. He prays that we would understand it, knowing what God's will is for our life. And secondly, that we would then do the will of God in our life. Isaiah heard the call of God saying, go and tell. And Isaiah said, here I am, and he went 
to preach. He knew the will of God, and he did the will of God. Paul was the same when he came to that Macedonian call. Going into Europe, he heard the call that God called and said, go and speak for us. And the Bible says in Acts 16 that Paul arose and he went straightway. <laughs> he didn't dilly-dally around. He didn't think about it right or left. He went straightway to do the will of God. This morning, I want to challenge us that we would, number one, know the will of God, and number two, do the will of God. Don't miss this. You can know the will of God and not do the will of God. This was pressed to my soul 32 years ago. I was a young pastor in Dallas, Texas. A senior adult man made an appointment, came to see me. He walked in my office and he had a brown paper sack with something in it and had rubber bands around it. You could tell it was a plaque or something of that nature. He walked in, we began to talk. He was one of the finest Bible teachers in our church, a faithful man. He said, Pastor, I want to encourage you about something. I said, yes. He said, never stop exhorting the church that they may know the will of God, but not do the will of God. Exhort us to do what God calls us to do. I thought there's something in this bag that's going to illustrate this point. He took those rubber bands off and pulled out of that brown paper bag an ordination certificate. He said, Pastor, when I was a young man in the church growing up, God called me to preach. The church ordained me, and I went out preaching the gospel. But my parents fell ill. I laid aside the call of God to go home and take care of my mom and daddy. I said, that's admirable. He said, it is. He said, it was right. But he said, after taking care of them, I never picked up my call. And he said, you know, the call of God is without repentance. God doesn't change his mind. And he said, I just never went back to do what I knew to be the will of God. He said, Pastor, please exhort us not just to know the will of God, but to do the will of God. That burned in my heart. And when I read this text, that's exactly what Paul is saying. Know God's will, and I pray you do God's will, because it is possible to know it and fail to do it. So this morning, I want us to look at the two prongs of this prayer. First of all, knowing the will of God, and then secondly, doing the will of God. Look at knowing the will of God. It's, it's found early uh, in, in the text in verse 9 where he says that I have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled, here it is, filled with the knowledge of His will. There it is, knowing the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that you would know God's will, you would have wisdom, and you would have understanding of the will of God. It's a good thing to know the will of God. 
That's a marvelous thing. When you find what it is God has for you to do. Uh, the word vocation has in its root the word vocal. And that vocal is the word for God's voice. And when you find your vocation, then hear the Word of God, whether it is medicine or science or law or a homemaker or, or a storekeeper or whatever it is that God would call you to do, you need to hear the voice of God. Know what God has called you to do. He has a place for you. He has a position for you. He has a function for you. And you should hear what God would have for you. God doesn't just call preachers. He calls us all into our vocation, and God sets us in the path as a teacher, as a coach. I don't know a thousand other things that it could be where we have influence with the gospel. You see, the Bible says in 1 John 2, 17, it is the one who does the will of God that lives forever. It's when you know the will of God, then you do it, and then even after you're dead and gone, your life lives on when you've walked in the path of God's obedience. Know the will of God. That's the way Jesus was. We all want to be like Jesus, amen? We all want to be like Christ. Well, the Lord Jesus dealt with the will of God. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, you know that Jesus said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will. Yours be done, not mine. Y yours. And then in John 4 and verse 34, he gave us that great text that my food, my food, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. The very diet of the Lord Jesus was to do the will of God. And then, of course, He taught us to pray in the great Lord's Prayer in that one line where He said, Lord, Your kingdom come and Your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. Not our will, but Your will, the will of heaven, be done here in us. Now, I don't know the will of God for everyone in this room. Not every step of your life, I don't know. But God does and He will show it. But I do know the will of God in some aspects for everyone in this room. It is the will of God for you to be saved. For it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Friend, that's why Jesus came. He came to die for you. He, he came to extend his arms to you. He came to save you. And it's the will of God. Not only is it the will of God for you to be saved, today is the day that is the will of God for you to be saved. For today is the day of salvation. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today is the only day that you can come. This is the day the Lord has made. Today is his day of salvation. It is God's will that you'd be saved and you should come and be saved even today. You ought to trust Him right where you sit just now. O online, you should call out unto Him and, and know Him this day. It's the will of God for you to be, it's the will of God for you to be baptized. In early church this day, we baptized two fathers. Two dads came and they were baptized on this Father's Day. I gave the invitation this morning, and a dad came with two fine-looking boys. They knelt right there. I saw them coming. They knelt down. And after that, they got up. They walked over to me, and the father took me by the hand. He said, it's our day. We come to trust Christ, the three of us, father and two sons, and to be baptized. It's the will of God that if you get saved, you're baptized. Always it's the will of God. After you've been saved, that you and it's 
God's will you be baptized now. Today would be that day that you should come. He says to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Over in Acts 2 and verse 38, you, you find the Word of God exhorting us. It's the will of God for you to be saved. It'd be the will of God for you to be baptized. It's the will of God for you to live holy. If you've got sin in your life and you're walking away from God, I'm telling you right now, it's the will of God. You repent of your sin, get right with God, and stop living an unholy life and begin to live as we were singing, holy, holy, holy. Not only is the Lord God, but when He's in you, you will be holy. Because I am holy, therefore you should be holy as well. It is the will of God that you'd be saved, baptized, walk holy. Now, I don't know if it's the will of God for you to marry a certain person or to take A, B, C, or X, Y, Z job. I, I don't, but God will show you. God has a will and a way and a direction. And you should seek to know the will of God. But not only seek to know the will of God, but pray to do the will of God. Look, look at it right here in verse number 10. He says, after you have this knowledge and wisdom and understanding, he prays so that you will walk. Walk. He speaks about this walking. Walking is that picture of doing the will of God. The Lord has many metaphors in Scripture for the Christian life. He talks about the race and various ways that he looks at the Christian life. Sometimes there's a building. Uh, we, we see it but oftentimes it's a walk. It's, it's taking one step and the next step and the next step that we walk in the way. God would have you to do the will of God, to walk. Uh, the psalmist gave us a great prayer in Psalm 143 in verse number 10. Uh, the psalmist said, teach me to do your will for you are my God and let your good spirit lead me on, I love this phrase. He said, Lord, lead me on level ground. Not uphill, not downhill. Lord, lead me on level ground. Teach me to do your will that I might walk in your ways. Well, how do you walk with God? Well, in this text, he gives us one, two, three, four, five. Now, don't get nervous. Five steps of taking the walk with God. How are we to walk? Well, they're right here in the text. So let's look at them very quickly this morning. Number one, he says, walk worthy. Walk worthy of the Lord. The way your life should be lived, you should walk worthy of the Lord God. Look at it right there in verse number 10, that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Ephesians 4, 1 says we should walk worthy of the calling of God. Philippians 1 in verse 27 tells us we should walk worthy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And 1 Thessalonians 2 in verse 12 says we should walk worthy of God Himself. Your life, your life, your life should measure up to the gospel, to God himself, and to the calling of God in your life, and that you would walk worthy. You say, preacher, I'm not, he's not saying you are worthy. He's saying that your walk should honor the name that's above every name. I'm amazed at other names will honor. People wear jerseys anywhere they go. They'll wear this, wear that. Let me tell you, there's a name above every name, and you ought to honor that name above all. Worthy is his name. Walk worthy of the Lord. Number two, walk pleasing God. Walk pleasing God. He says so right here in verse number 10. To please him in all respects. He goes on to say in Colossians 3.22, not to be man pleasers. Hmm. Oh, we live in a world where people try to please men above God. 
He says, don't be a man pleaser, be a God pleaser. How do you please God? Well, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six, you've got to have faith to please God. And not only did it take faith, it takes surrender. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4, he, he speaks to us about an active soldier, the man in active service that entangles himself in the affairs of, of everyday life so that he may please the one. Please the one who enlisted you. Don't get tangled up in this world, but please the one who enlisted you. That speaks of our surrender unto the Lord. And 1 John 3, verse 22 speaks of our obedience unto God. Whatever we ask, we receive of Him because He keeps His commandments to do the things that are pleasing. Pleasing. Do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Who are you living to please today? Young people, listen to me. You ought to honor your father and mother, but you ought to please God Almighty. Please Him. Walk by faith. Walk in surrender. Walk in obedience unto Him. Don't be pleasing men. Please God the Father. That's the step you take. You walk in that way. Walk worthy. Walk pleasing. Thirdly, He says walk fruitful in good works. He says it right here in our text. You, you find him. Walk fruitful. Fruitful. Bearing fruit in every good work. This is the John 15 passage where he is the vine, we are the branches. We can't make fruit come. The fruit just hangs out here on us. But the source of life comes out of the soil and through the Lord. And then the fruit comes. Not plastic fruit. Oh, that's through the Spirit. I love my father. I miss him so. What a great man he was, dying on the 26th day of February a couple of years ago. Just dropped dead. Boom. 94 years old. Fell off his John Deere tractor, riding lawnmower, dropped dead in the yard. I tell people all the time, if you sell that on Amazon, I can sell a boatload of it. Boy, beats being in the retirement center until you're 100. Walking around wondering, what's my name? But not everybody gets that, but Dad did. He trained me. Dad was a lot of fun. My mother cut your head off, but now Daddy, he is a lot of fun. <laughs> hmm. She is the one with the brass shoes. He's one loving folks. He told me one. He said, we're going to train you to run this store. I said, I don't want to run this store. He said, I'd ask you if you wanted to. I told you we're going to train you to run this store. And so I did. And he put me in charge of fruit, vegetables, produce department. He said, I want you to learn all about this. I said, I don't want to. He said, I'd ask you if you want to. I'm telling you, you're going to learn this side. And so I began to learn that. You know, you don't make any money selling vegetables and fruit. You throw more out the back door than you ever sell out the front door. It's just there to shine. That's why you got lights over the fruit. There ain't no lights on the pork and beans. I'm just telling you the lights <laughs> are on the fruit. That's because they glitter. You see that? Hmm. People come in, get that. I work in the store one day, look down, a little girl. I don't know, she couldn't have been eight, ten years old. And she reached up and got her a nectarine. That's a fuzzless peach. And she got her about three good bites of it, and then she chunked it up in the gondola and 
I saw her standing there, and I walked around. I said, young lady, did you eat that? And she said, no. I said, uh, now look at me. Did you eat that? And she looked up at me. I couldn't help it. She had nectarine all over her nose right here. <laughs> I just laughed and walked off. She is bearing fruit. <laughs> Let me tell you, friend, if you live in the power of the Holy Ghost, you'll bear fruit, and the world will see it. It'll be all over your face. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, goodness, self-control. And it'll be there for all. You're not to harbor fruit. You're to bear fruit. That comes by doing the will of God. And when you do the will of God, the fruit of the Holy Ghost comes through your life. He is the vine. You are the branches. And He produces the fruit. Hallelujah. Fruit. Thirdly, you walk worthy of the Lord. You walk pleasing God. You walk fruitful in every good work. You walk, thirdly, fourthly, in supernatural power. Look at it right here in verse number 11. You got your Bible open? There are three words you got to see. Strengthen, power, and might. He said, you are strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Three great words. They're different words, but they all come together. Strengthened and power are the same word, dunamis, in its root, but the ending is different, giving it a little different slant. Strengthened, then all power speaks of the miracle-working power of God, and might is altogether a different word that speaks of vigor or to seize the opportunity seizing the opportunity. I was walking yesterday uh, after the storm. I took my walk. I'm going around. There's a young man who has moved into a home just down the way, and I knew he was there, but I'd never met him. And as I was coming around the circle, there he was, and he was bringing in the trash. And I stopped, and I said, ah, you're the young man uh, that's living in this home. I said, I've been praying for you as I walked by. I said, my name's Ted. He said, my name's Christian. I said, are you one? Seizing the opportunity. <laughs> he said, well, preacher, I might offend him. Where are you going to run him off to? Hell number two? I was loving on him. <laughs> I, I just had a good time. We had a great conversation. We got to talk about the things of the Lord. And let me tell you that. You say, well, I couldn't do that. Yes, you can. Because you'd be strengthened with power, with all might and vigor. Seizing the opportunity. Sometimes the urgent opportunity will pass you by and never come again. You must have a discerning power of God within your life so that you live in supernatural power. The world doesn't understand it. The world's not supposed to understand it. They live in darkness. But when the Spirit of God turns on the light, He, He brings to His name, honor, and glory. You should walk. Not in your own power. Walk in supernatural power. Why? Some of you so weak you couldn't get up. You couldn't live for God. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet I don't live, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the power of God in us. It's the exchange life. It's, it's God in us. Absolute surrender and, and the strength of God in our life. You say, I just don't think I could do it. I know you couldn't. When you get to the place where you say you can't, you're well on your way. It's only then that God can. It's when you say, I can do it, but I don't need God, you're in a trouble. You'll make a mess. And you let God give you strength. Amen. Walk worthy. Walk pleasing. Walk fruitful. Walk 
in supernatural power. And then number five, he says to walk in triumphant victory. Here are three of the greatest words in this text. I want you to see them right here with me in verse 11. That you attain to all steadfastness, patience, joyously giving thanks. Steadfast, patient, joy. Oh, what a triumvirate that we put together. These three words wrapped together give us triumphant victory. The first one is steadfast. That means to remain under, to remain under the burden, to remain under the load, to remain under the job. That you stay there. It was often used of the rowers in the bottom of a ship that they stayed under and they were steadfastly rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing in the galley below. They were steadfast. Secondly, they were patient. That word means to be long-spirited. Long-spirited. Lord, I see some people come to church. They stay 30 minutes, 30 days, up and run. Ah, not for me. You stay by the stuff, and you stay then joyously. Mm, That's gladness of heart. Uh, That's an exuberance that comes from the inner man. Dear friend, if your joy is not rooted in the soil of suffering, your joy will be shallow. But out of suffering comes a joy that the world does not know. Steadfast, patient joy. That's the triumphant victory. It's what Pensacola needs to see in all of us. That we stay by the stuff and we stay patiently and we do it with joy. Everybody's mad at each other. There's a time to stand, time to have grit, but even then to have joy. I just came back from Nashville, Tennessee. Myself, two or three of our other staffers were there. One of our deacons, lay people. We were there with 17,000, probably 20,000 people all total at the convention meeting in Nashville. I heard it over and over and over. Yeah, I walked down the hall. I found it, Brother Gary. I know a lot of people. I've been going to that meeting since 1972. I'm an old preacher there now. I heard this over and over. Philip, this is what they say to me all the time. How long have you been at that church? Now, how many years have you been there? I say 30, going on 31. They say, wow, that's a long time. I said, yeah. He's, and every one of them said, boy, I hope I can stay that long. I said, well, it's not all peaches and cream. Uh, it's not all honey and no bees. I'm, I'm here today. I said, what do you mean? I said, I, I've pastored at least three churches since I've been there. It's not the church I started with, and it's not even the church we had 20 years ago. And it's not the church we'll have in 10 more years. Because God's constantly moving the bride of Christ and growing it. If you're not, you bury it. It changes. Anything in life changes. But in that comes triumphant victory. And I said, even in the change, you, you have joy. Even when it doesn't go your way, you have joy. When you're getting mean letters, you have joy. Hey, preach, you don't get any mean letters. Well, I didn't this week because I wasn't here, but, <laughs> but I got email. It's joy. 
Where's that joy come from? It's the joy of the Holy Ghost within you. I got the joy, 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 joy. In your heart. Amen. Down in your heart. And it bubbles up like a well. It's the triumphant victory. I pray this, oh Lord, make me victorious over every circumstance, patient with every person, and Lord, make me to know joy no man and no circumstance can take from me. Triumphant victory. And so I'm at the convention, I get a lot of books. You get a lot of free stuff when you go to conventions. So when you go to business conventions, you get free stuff. They hand you stuff. Well, it's really not free because they want you to come back and buy something. But anyway, we get books. I was given a lot of things. And I walked by the Loveworth Finding Booth, Dr. Adrian Rogers. I listen to Dr. Rogers almost, well, two or three times a week at least. When I'm walking, I listen to him on my phone. I had never read Dr. Rogers' testimony. Never had I read it. And I said, Lord, it's the greatest Father's Day illustration I've ever heard in all my life. Adrian lived in Palm Beach, Florida, down South Florida. He was a great high school football player. When he was 14 years old, his mother and daddy, they never went to church. He said, we were a good family. We were just godless and lost. We paid our taxes, did our work. We were good people. We were just lost people. Never darkened the door of a church. And he said they had a revival meeting. He told the name of the people, came by and invited them to come. And he said, my father decided we would go. And so the whole family on a Tuesday night marched into that church and sat on a row. Adrian said that preacher preached. He preached hell hot, heaven sweet. He preached Jesus crucified, raised from the dead, victorious and forgiving with an offer of salvation. He said, I'd never heard anything like it. He said, I sat there as a 14-year-old boy, muscled up, been working out. He said, then they sang a song. And the preacher asked if you wanted to be saved to come down to the front. He said, I just stood there like a statue. And he said, I saw something out of the corner of my eye, and I turned, and he said, Daddy was going down the aisle. He said, my father walked down to the front, and he said, they dealt with him. I saw him, and as I watched my father, he said, the Spirit of God slayed me. And I stepped out in the aisle, and I went too. And he said, Jesus saved my daddy. And right behind that, he saved me. He said, it took me two years to get a lot of assurance. I didn't know they didn't train me. But he said, when I saw Daddy take that step, God drew me. And I took that step. He said, you know, if I hadn't taken that first step, I wouldn't be taking all these other steps I've been taking all of these years. And if somebody hadn't invited to Roger's family, and if Daddy hadn't come, and Adrian, my soul, we don't know who that preacher was, I don't, but then multiplied thousands that have taken that step when Dr. Rogers have preached the gospel week by week and year by year and generation by generation. And he just 
took a step because it was the will of God. Friend, you will never walk in the will of God till you take the first step. There's some of you, there are young ladies in this room today. God's called into ministry. I don't know what that ministry is for that lady. But you've got to take a step and say, I'll go. There are young men that God's called you in the ministry. So I'll take that step and I'll go. When I asked my wife to marry me, she had to deal with that. She said, God's called you. I don't know if he's called me. And she wrestled with that. Finally, she said, yes, I joined the call of God in my heart. And she took a step. What you have to do. That step is down this aisle to Christ. That step is into the baptism. That step is into holiness. That step is into the Word of God. That step is into obedience. So you got to walk. Now look right up here at me. I got on my walking shoes today. These are blue suede. I wore them on purpose because of this final illustration people see these shoes and they say Lord where'd you get those shoes I said there's a gift a man in the choir had on a pair just like them here a few years ago and I saw him I said man I like those shoes what size are they he told me I said I can't wear those he said what size you wear preacher and I told him a couple of weeks later, I walked into my office. There's a box on my desk. Looked like a shoebox. I said, Lord, I don't know what this is, but I know what I hope it is. <laughs> so I pulled out my blue suede shoe. Elvis ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> I wore these to have a little fun with you today, but I wore them to be serious. I don't care if you're barefooted, wearing sneakers. I don't care if you got on Sean Pillay's coal home. You got on Converse. I don't care what you got on. What I want to know is which way you go in. Which way you walk in? Right now, everybody in this room, you are either walking toward the will of God or away from the will of God. There is no neutral. And in order to stop going away, you have to do what the Bible calls metanoia. It is the Greek word for repentance. It means an about face. You stop going that way and you turn and go God's way. If you're at home today, you, you should call on the name of the Lord. Then let me know that you did it and send me a text at 94,000. I need to know that. Just send that text and the word Savior will reach back to you that are with us online today. 94,000, that's the number. And just send me that word Savior. We'll pray for you. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you and help you to walk the walk. And those of you that are in this room today, you need to come. You need to be the first to come. You need to take that step and say, I'm, I'm coming. It's the will of God. I'm coming. I, I, I know what God's called me to do. He's called me to be saved. He's called me to preach. He's called me to minister. He's called me to this. To... 
You say, I come to surrender. Walking in the will of God. Never forget, it's not enough to know the will of God. You must also do what God's called you to do. For a faith without works is dead. To know is not enough. Take action. And that balcony around, maybe you're the one. Just step out. Come right here. Just make your way here on this ground floor. Come. We'll be here to greet you, to help you. Brother John's going to begin to sing. He's going to sing an old gospel song. It says, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Oh, yes. Amen. You're the potter. I'm the clay. Mold me, make me. After what? After his way, his will in your life. Father, draw us up to yourself today. Give people courage to come. Do your work in this invitation. Fill this altar and fill our heart. May many say yes to your walk this day. In Jesus' name I pray. On our feet we are all over this. Thanks for joining us online today at Olive on this Father's Day. Grateful you were able to be a part of our worship time. Thank you as we looked at the will of God today uh, about knowing the will of God and then doing the will of God. I pray today that you would take that step, that first step toward doing God's will. Maybe trusting Him as your Savior, connecting with us about baptism, maybe church membership, or just living a holy life. I encourage you that, that you would take that first step toward uh, doing the will of God today. Again, from Olive Baptist Church, happy Father's Day. Thank you for being a part. And if God's touched in your soul and today you're taking that step, please text me at 94,000, that word Savior. We would love to hear from you.